0: From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, February 11th. Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha's editor and CEO, David Bank, to talk about the rising price of carbon and share some of the insights from this week's Agents of Impact call. Welcome, David. Hello, Brian. We had some great guests on the call, and we've got soundbites. Can't wait to hear them. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. The fintech disruption is hitting Africa's biggest banks. If they can't beat them, join them. Standard Bank in South Africa is turning to the fintech Nomanini to provide inventory financing and small lines of credit to informal retail businesses, or as they call them, traders. Micro and small businesses in Africa account for an estimated 40% of the continent's GDP and more than 80% of consumer goods sales. But they've largely been ignored by local commercial banks. At the same time, venture capitalists and impact investors have poured billions into fintech startups targeting such emerging customers. Varys Wealth Partners, the San Francisco-based Impact Wealth Manager, has sold a one-quarter interest in the company to Rosemont Investment Group, a private equity investor that specializes in employee-owned asset and wealth management firms. With $2 billion in assets under management, Varys has been looking for a partner to help it remain independent. Aging in place is becoming a big business as baby boomers grow older. Concerto Care raised $105 million to support seniors who wish to remain in their homes rather than going to nursing homes or assisted living facilities. Another company, the Helper Bees and the Grassroots Village Movement are tackling the same challenge. Engine number 1, which spearheaded the board insurgency at ExxonMobil last year, is launching an exchange-traded fund to invest in companies advancing the energy transition. Engine number 1 secured an anchor commitment from the Bay Area advisory firm Jordan Park. And finally, Verdox raised $80 million for its carbon capture technology, which it says is cheaper and more efficient than other methods. The Massachusetts company uses a super battery that absorbs carbon as it charges and releases pure CO2 as the battery discharges for use in other purposes. Carbon capture tech is becoming cost competitive as the value of carbon rises. Other players include Vancouver-based Carbon Engineering and Zurich-based ClimbWorks. David, you and Amy Cortese have been on the carbon beat for Impact Alpha. Here are some of your recent headlines. Let me read them to you. Rising price of carbon starts to hit balance sheets and corporate decision-making. Simple economics driving carbon prices, soaring demand, limited supply, positive externalities, carrots as well as sticks for the carbon era. And here's my personal favorite. Climate is a crypto play as the action moves from TradFi to DeFi to ReFi.
1: Yeah, Brian. Last April, actually, we said carbon was going to go to $100 a ton faster than most folks expected. And right in time for our call this week, it hit 96 euros or about 110. So pretty soon it's going to cross 100 euros as well, all of which is kind of symbolic. But carbon pricing is going to be a big deal. Folks have been working on carbon markets for 30 years. It's one of these things that, you know, has been coming, arriving so for so long that we're in danger of missing it when it actually arrives. One of the big commodity trading houses, uh, Trafigura, says carbon trading could exceed oil trading by 2030 or even 2025. Carbon's only about $270 billion a year market now, the total of all the trades in a year. But um, Woods McKenzie actually estimated it could be $20 trillion by 2050. It's not an exaggeration to say we're entering the carbon era and leaving behind the oil era
0: if not perhaps even the dollar era. Okay, that's a lot of eras. The Agents of Impact call this week took this from several directions, those funds that are investing in carbon and the funds that are investing in decarbonization technologies and blockchain and crypto, all of that. So what's the common thread here?
1: Well, and we capped it with one very big idea, a global carbon reward, part of what some people call carbon quantitative Easing, you know, you're in trouble when when blockchain and crypto is this is 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 the simple thing to explain. Yeah, this all sounds very ambitious. Can you help I'll walk us through it? Well, we bit off a lot, but the first point to understand is actually simple: supply and demand. They flipped. There's now a ton of demand, so to speak, for carbon reduction, including from corporations making their net zero pledges, other corporations under um, various kinds of, of compliance uh, schemes in Europe and and, and California. And then the supply of high quality credits and offsets is constrained. So uh, high demand, low supply, prices rising.
0: So that's interesting. So tell us about some of the people who we heard
1: from on the call. I'd be happy to. It really was quite a good discussion. And actually, you can see the whole uh, replay on on YouTube. The link's in the brief uh, today. But uh, Paula DiPerna is a real veteran in carbon market. She's been working on it for, for at least 30 years. She's with CDP, formerly known as the Carbon Disclosure Project. From a personal point of view, $100 a ton, I should be popping champagne just to say, wow, the the world has recognized that there's this very uh, reasonably high cost of inaction, which is what that indicates, that this is a wake up call. People see that there's a high cost to inaction per ton and that the only way to make that cost visible is to price the carbon in some transparent mechanism like a carbon market. And then Edwin Datsun runs Estabrook Carbon. That's one of the funds we told you about that is actually playing these carbon markets, buying up credits and offsets, voluntary markets, compliance markets, different geographies, uh, trying to uh, actually get some of this carbon while it's still relatively cheap um, and then supply the demand, as we said, the corporate demand, um, uh, particularly as the prices rise.
0: What has happened, especially in Europe, but also in, in California, is you got to the point where, because every year that relentless reduction of allowances kicks in, at a certain point, companies start realizing that the fundamental supply versus the sum starts to flip. Once you start to do that, people start to stockpile and then that everyone starts to grab for everything at, at the same time. And then that sort of brings that supply-demand point further forward. And we had some really interesting
1: comments from Gregory Landway. Um, he's runs the Regen Network. He's based in uh, the Berkshires, I think, in Massachusetts. The Regen Network. Uh, has kind of collected up lots of the very interesting innovative projects using blockchain and crypto to exchange credits. They've actually done some real deals. For example, there was an Australian rancher who adopted regenerative ag projects, gathered up some carbon credits, and they were sold to Microsoft last year. There's a huge amount of demand. There's also, I would say, some significant issues around bringing high-quality supply online. And and that's, I think, in some way, part of, you know, the the demand for high quality nature-based credits in the voluntary markets. Everyone wants forward contracts. Everybody wants to be able to pre-purchase their carbon and know that they have it taken care of because they're all feeling the squeeze. And frankly, they're all looking at it as a potential,
0: you know, asset and upside to hedge their more complex treasury management approaches and strategies. All right, David. So help me understand. What does this mean exactly?
1: Well, I think one way to think about it is people have talked about the green premium. That was the the extra cost you had to incur to use, you know, say green c- steel or green cement or or green shipping because those things were more expensive. The price on carbon kind of equalizes that, if not if not offsets it altogether, and makes green cheaper than brown and brown, the brown being the old dirty technology. And so, you know, in certain uh, industries, you know, solar is already the cheapest energy source. And in others, you know, like um, electric vehicles, you can make at least a long-term argument that but with lower costs, lower fuel costs, but also lower maintenance costs that the lifetime cost of electric vehicles already is Reaching parity and probably at just even a sticker price level, it'll it'll be parity in a, in a year or two. But these other industries, you know, are, are tougher, um, and so the price on carbon starts to eliminate the green premium, and folks are able to adopt the alternatives without hitting their bottom line. And um, and, you, and you start getting these industries flipping, the, the auto industry has flipped, you know, here comes steel. Those are the kind of opportunities that General Atlantic's Beyond Net Zero project um, is, is on the hunt for. We had Emmanuel Lagerigue, uh from General Atlantic. So you see that virtual circle progressively getting organized in some industries and the car industry in Europe is a perfect example. You see similar phenomenon in batteries and, and other things. So Yes, that uh, having a high price or higher than everybody would have thought at this stage uh, uh, of the ton of, of carbon is, is helping definitely and going to accelerate that, that transition. But actually, Brian, here's where it gets interesting. Um, we want a high price on carbon to reflect its real value and, and drive the green alternatives. But if that ends up raising the prices of basic goods of all kinds of things, you're going to get a popular backlash, um, and you know we've seen it with the yellow vest movement in France. And the popular support for this green or low-carbon transition could evaporate if it's seen as a kind of a tax that just makes everything pricier. Emmanuel cautioned against that. Institutions aligning and green stimulus, or all this is inflationary. So you need to combine this with uh, breakthrough technologies that will bring a deflationary impact to this, because otherwise. Uh, the society at large will never accept the transition. If it's inflationary, if you still have the green premium forever, uh, forget it. And so the key is to make the green solutions cheaper and make people feel richer. And if the low carbon transition puts money in people's pockets, we'll have the political support and even the capital to move even faster. Brian, have you read the Cli-Fi thriller, The Ministry for the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson?
0: So I've read the first chapter, which is very harrowing, uh, and it's still on my nightstand, so I have to finish it. And first of all, I think you just introduced a new concept to me, cli-fi? Well, cli- sci-fi. <laughs> so, um, And 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 as you say, that first chapter
1: is harrowing because there's a heat wave um, in India that kills something like 20 million people and a whole series of climate catastrophes, and, the, and in, even then the world... You know, is slow to mobilize. Um, but eventually, the world governments mint a carbon coin, essentially printing money, in a, in a sense, to uh, uh, pay for radical decarbonization. So it turns out that this idea in the book uh, was based on a, a, a real idea in the real world by an Australian engineer named Delton Chen, who has a proposal for what he calls the global carbon reward. And Delton joined us from Brisbane
0: why don't we think about the carrots and the sticks together? And we we claim we're missing a carrot. We call a global carbon reward. So the global carbon reward is a carrot that could be globally uh, introduced with a carbon currency. And hence, this is the story that uh, Kim Stanley Robinson was referring to as carbon coin. So carbon quantitative easing is this notion that what we really should be thinking about is having all the world's central banks providing a price guarantee of a rising floor price for a rising carrot, if you like. And uh, the idea is that this might be the the special uh, price signal we need to get us over the finishing line to the one and a half, two degree goals of the Paris Climate Agreement. Sounds like that was uh, quite the spirited debate on the call.
1: Well, everybody was united on moving faster and bigger. There was a good discussion about how esoteric to be in some of these ideas to kind of uh, uh, stimulate the attitude change or the popular support we were talking about. Paula, in particular, advised uh, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I've learned that you've got to have public support. And there's so much going on in the world today. And we just maybe need to take the disruption part a little slower and
0: try to coalesce around what people can comprehend.
1: I will say big ideas like the global carbon reward
0: sometimes seem uh, outlandish or ridiculous until they become obvious. So what are the big takeaways for impact and ESG or sustainable investors?
1: Well, um, now the supply and demand has flipped. Carbon prices are coming and they're going up. So I guess the the advice is figure it into not just your climate investments, but all of your investments. Um, And check out the roundup of our call, watch the full video, and of course, follow Impact Alpha's continuing coverage of uh, the carbon era
0: all right carbonara that's not just a, a delicious sounding pasta dish right it's not just within the margin of error all right i think that's a place to leave it for your impact briefing this week thank you so much david thank you Brian, as always and thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire isaac silk the impact briefing is a production of impact alpha subscribe to receive the daily email brief and access to every impact alpha story podcast listeners get 100 dollars off their first year subscription Go to impactofflet.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing 100. I'm Brian Walsh, head of sustainability for the capital markets firm TPI Cap. Until next time, take good care.